0: Welcome to Mortgage Talk. Hi, I'm Rick Montgomery, and I'm glad you guys are here with me today on Mortgage Talk. Man, what a great day. Today day is Friday. Uh, We are happy and proud to be here uh, doing Mortgage Talk with you. Mortgage Talk is streaming, baby. We're streaming nationally throughout the internet. We're streaming worldwide. We're streaming to over 123 countries. Let us come into their neck of the woods to bring them Mortgage Talk. We're streaming from WHPNN Radio Network. Man, and we're streaming through Block Talk Radio. Happy and proud to be part of the family. Thanking you and yours for joining us here on Block Talk Radio. And we're also streaming through Speaker.com and Anchor FM. Glad to be here as we are on Anchor FM right now. Glad to be part of the family here on Anchor FM. Got something great for you. want to talk to you about this. Got two topics today. Um, it is about a house doctor. What is a house doctor? Okay. And a land contract. Now, in today's society, okay, right now, because uh, you've heard and have seen some of the interesting stories that how banks are being are scrutinized. Ain't that something? You know, they get a bailout under the Obama plan and then they want to scrutinize everyday working people. It's, it's just interesting. But how they are scrutinizing certain people uh, based on where you want to purchase a uh, property at. You you better believe that. Um, we call it redlining. And they are looking at where you work and they are checking the stock market, believe it or not. Uh, they're checking the Fortune 500 list to see how's that company doing. Now they're not—they're not telling you this, but that's what they're doing. So a lot of turndowns did not come necessarily because the individual wants to purchase in a mixed neighborhood or in a predominant Hispanic neighborhood or black neighborhood. It—it it came from the overall picture that the bank looked at is how well is the company that you're working for, how well are they doing? Now, you may not know that that your company is in a line to file a chapter 11, or you may not know that the company has been taking a bloodbath in losing. So the banks look at all of these things and they disqualify the loan on that, not necessarily basic on you, because what you look at, is that if you lose this job, how are you gonna be able to maintain your agreed obligation? So all these things are factor into bank's decision, okay? Now, we can sit here and we can go through our critiquing form and say, well, they shouldn't be able to do this. This is a violation of this law. This is a violation of this act. Okay, perhaps maybe it is. Perhaps maybe it's not. I'm not an expert in that field. I'm not an attorney. Don't claim to be one and not trying to be one. So that's something different that doing your diligent research, you can find out. But it's going to be difficult for you to prove that that's what banks are doing, okay? And have been doing for a long time, okay? This is, this is nothing new. As we approach the time that businesses is going under, okay, as we approach the time, okay, towards our us is going out of business, okay? They're going out of business. Target is, is closing a large quantity of their stores nationwide. Walmart is closing a large quantity of their stores nationwide. Corporations is is folding and, and been sold to another corporation under their umbrella in which it annihilates that name of that particular corporation and people are losing their jobs in that transitional period where some may keep their jobs. Okay, are you with me or am I by myself? I heard a wise man say. These are some of the factors that is factored in that turns people down when they trying to get their piece of the pie of the American dream. I'm here to tell you that these factors cannot stop you. And I'm about to tell you how some tools that you can use to still gain the American dream. Isn't you know that something? One of the tools I've been involved with as a mortgage broker, as a former loan officer that's going back into the field again, is that I've done a lot of creative financing. And there are so many different creative Uh financing contracts Uh that I can talk to you about and you can pick up some good ideas on. I've made over 500 blogs that you can go to one of these blogs, and you can listen to them. It's real simple, real easy. All you gotta do is just go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash mortgage talk one, number one symbol, and scroll down and choose the blog that'll work for you. These individual blogs can be accessed to just by going to mortgage talk one, the number one symbol, dot com. But you have to know the name of the blog in order to retrieve the exact blog or you're going to retrieve other blogs that I have out there too, just as well. The point that I'm making here is not to boost anything, but just to simply say that just because that traditional door is cracked, it's closing, it has already closed but and it's cracked open, that you don't have to be standing there in the bewilderness, thinking that you cannot get it. Some people that are African American and Hispanic feel that if I get a white individual, it, it, it helps my chance. And in many cases, in some cases, I should say two, it does. But in other cases, it really does not. So there is a Russian roulette with that, with a higher percentage that you could. Providing that both can prove that they can afford to maintain and... When they check the Fortune 500 company, your company is not on the down slope, okay? So other tools can be utilized. And this is where a land contract comes in. Now, in the, now there are two different styles of land contract. If you look at it on the internet, you're gonna only find one style. Now, I'm, gonna, now I'm personally, I'm gonna... Um, Label it, identify it as land contract A and land contract B, okay? And I want to talk to you about both. Because it's a contract and a contract is a negotiable instrument that is agreed upon by both parties involved or parties involved. So you can set a land contract to your liking and to the liking of the seller, okay? Okay? You don't necessarily have to follow a traditional land contract. I'm encouraging you to do research and you can do research diligently by simply going to one of the greatest information center in the world, and that is the library. And you can back it up by going to another good information center, which is Mortgage Talk. And you can tune in because we're on every Friday at 8.30 p.m. Every Friday we're on. You can get us through AnchorSpeaker.com as well as Block Talk Radio. And soon we'll be streaming visually on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram. WHPNN Radio Network Studio is being Redone and we're waiting for that. And that's gonna be very, very soon and we'll be out there streaming now. Now, of course, we'll still be doing our internet radio, okay, while we on our social media. We may not be on all three while we're on there, but we still are gonna do our individual shows. Um, so you still won't miss anything. Now, when you are looking at these instrumental tools, to utilize to help you gain the American dream you're going to find there's another tool out there that is called a rent to own lease agreement a rent to own lease agreement it is very similar to the land contract but it but it has certain um I, I won't call them flaws but it has certain limited obligations in there. Well, you're gonna find it to be almost the same as the land contract A was. Okay, now I'm gonna to talk to you about. It. But the rent-to-own lease agreement still exists and always half exists, okay? But the two land contracts does. But if you go on the internet, as I mentioned earlier, you're only gonna hear about the land contract B. That's why you got to go to the greatest information center in the world to really sit down diligently to do your homework. And then I, I promise you, you will have a clear understanding of what you're doing. Yes, I thank you for listening to Mortgage Talk. And we're going to bring about some clarity here for you. Remember, we're under the umbrella of information where we, where we give you nothing but the facts within the facts. None of our own personal opinion, but just the facts. we don't try to reinvent the wheel. Okay. So I'm going to go into the rent-to-own-lease. And I'm going to give you just my um, point of it. There are certain factors in difference with the rent-to-own lease. Okay. There are certain factors in differences in rent-to-own lease. Just on top of my head, because I may repeat some of the things as I'm, as I'm going over my uh, cue cards. The rent-to-own lease gives you the option to purchase a property at a certain period of time. It is built up like a lease. It looks like a lease. But the average lease is one year or month to month. If you're in a commercial setting, then the leases are different and the time frame is longer. If you're in a residential setting, is, is what we're talking about now, and, it, and it's a high-end residential, maybe it's, it's a penthouse downtown or something, you may find your lease term to be longer than a one-year process, okay? Or it's, or it's not a penthouse, but it's a luxury type of uh, condo or whatever you'll find that your rent term will probably be longer than a 12 months usually those high end those people make a lot of money they can afford to do these things and so therefore they require a little bit more time and they have that time frame set for them it all depends on the landlord okay it really does under a rent to own the term similar to the land contract could be 2 years three years or as long as five years. I have not seen one for five. I'm not saying that it can't be. Normally, if it goes to five years, it's simply because that the frame of when it originally expired, uh, the buyer is required some additional time and yet he was smart enough or she was smart enough to put that in that rent to own clause, they were able to obtain some additional time that could have taken it to a five-year point. I've never seen a, and don't recommend you to walk in and sign a five-year rent-your-own. Same thing with a land contract. I don't recommend you walk in into a five-year land contract. Okay, it's just not practical, All right? Okay, you you can utilize additional time if needed, and make sure that you have the proper clause in there or or addendum that can assist you in that in that point and that's where you're going to find the difference between a lease um, a rent to own and a land contract. Land contract will consist of a little bit more clauses than a uh, than a rent to own will, okay? You can also get your attorney to draw up a rent to own. That's always a wise choice to do. Or you can do it yourself if you if you uh, done your research diligently you're standing firm in uh, your square, you're able to do that yourself, and certainly you, you can do that. Or you and the seller can, can come together and, and you all agree with one. Regardless if, if, if his attorney or your attorney does it, you need to be knowledgeable of it because you may disagree with what's in it, and if that is the case, you want to be able you probably will go back and forth to have certain uh clauses deleted out of there. Okay? To help give yourself a comfortable setting here, okay. So the term so the terms is usually two to three years on those type of contracts. Um, uh, same thing with a land contract. The obligation now with this here, uh, the buyer has the right to opt out. Okay, he can opt out anytime he wants. He can like, hey, look, I changed my mind, or or some. Unpredicted circumstances could have came about that the, that the seller and the buyer did not know anything about. Maybe that maybe the foundation was was later discovered was badly cracked and damaged. It was going to cost thousands and thousands of dollars to do, and that's a little bit too much that the buyer wanted to get involved in, so he can exercise his his op to opt out this thing, okay, easily. Now understand something here. That, like with any contract, there is a losing factor with a contract when you cancel it. Let's just keep it real. Unless you have set a real good negotiable aspect on a contract within the right proper clauses that enable you to walk away and lose nothing, then that's that's a hip-hip and a hooray for you. Okay, now, I'm not saying that people can't do it. I'm just saying, most of the times, most of the times on, on these contracts... From land contract to a rent to own uh contract, there they're, they're gonna be some kind of substantial losses by the buyer if he bails out. Okay. And she put a clause in there in case the seller bail out too, just as well. Okay? And and I talked to you a little bit about that. So usually they will re- require a down payment. And though and the down payment is not gonna be nothing like five, six, seven hundred dollars. Come on. Are you kidding me? The down payment is gonna be in the thousands. It may be 3,000 or 4,000 or 5,000 down, okay? And then your monthly payment that you make, a percentage of that will be used toward the purchase price. Now that's a tax incentive write-off for the landlord just as well. He doesn't have to pay taxes on that portion of the money, by the way, okay? And that's the same thing on the uh, land contract, too. So if you happen to opt out, then a landlord can, can uh, keep that money, okay? You, you forfeit, you default, okay? That's why it's important for you to put the right kind of clause in there to protect you. And one of the clauses is unexpected maintenance that is unknown by the buyer, and or by the seller, and that's where the cracked foundation could come in you know as a as a point okay maybe had a lot of water coming in into the basement or something and 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 uh and and a little bit been, been uh, uh coming out there getting people to try to uh, uh take care of that he, he thought it was a subcom they thought it was a clog they did, did all, all kinds of things and then later they discovered that that the foundation is badly damaged okay could cost ten thousand, fifteen thousand dollars, right? Depends on the size and and, and and the square footage of the home. Now that would make anybody like, whoa! Now it, it can be used for a negotiable point on the sale price if you if uh, you want to take that responsibility, or you may say, whoa, you know, no, 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 I'm out. But you better have a clause in there for something like that, enabling you to retain and retrieve your initial down. Okay? So just so just telling you that. Now, that's some of the differences of the rent to own. I'm gonna go into a little bit more, but let me just uh, uh, go into some of the fundamentals that I have here, um, looking at the land contract and uh, looking at the uh, lease. Rent to own, because, uh, in my talking, I'm going to be making certain comparison between them as I'm going into. Okay. But I just wanted to open up the show just by giving you some of the differences of it. Okay. With the, with the rent to own, the landlord holds all the responsibility for the, uh, taxes, the insurance. Okay. Of the, of the property, the repairs, the landlord holds, holds that responsibility, not you. Okay. All right. That's on the uh, rent-to-own agreement. Land holds, holds all that. There's no tax advantages for you here on this. Okay, so so if you're looking for a tax advantages, you're not going to find it there. And depending on how you set the land contract, you won't find any tax advantages there unless you are doing what I call the land contract B, okay, where you are on title. Ah, there it is. And then you can gain certain advantages of that. And I'm about to go into that in just a minute. So let's just start off um, making the comparison with the land contract and, and, and the rent to own. Start off with the land contract. Land contracts is a form of the seller financing. And again, these are good tools to utilize in today's tough market. So look at these tools too. These are good tools that you can utilize to try to get a home under this point too. There are other tools too, but I'm just going to focus today just on these two. So a land contract is a form of seller financing. It is similar to a mortgage but rather than borrowing money from a lender or bank, the buyer makes payments to the owner, better known as the seller. Now, in this land contract, you come to an agreement okay, of the amount. And that's going to be based on uh, what the mortgage is and, uh uh, and that probably will include what his taxes and insurance is going to be. And they'll, and that will be figured into that. If he's a smart seller, it'll be figured into that. You may not be aware of all that. Uh, this is the figure that, that I agreed to do land contract on for $1,300 and I'll take 300 of that dollars and apply it toward the purchase price of, of the, uh, of the property. Okay. Now, that difference is what he can keep as a write-off. He doesn't have to pay taxes on that. But you get the credit for that under the land contract. If it's the land contract A, you're getting credit for that, which is similar to a a, um, a, uh, rent-to-own lease. Under land contract B, like in both of the two land contracts, you're basically purchasing equity into the property. With A, there are some certain specified... Clauses listed that states that you cannot sell. <laughs> you cannot sell what you are gaining equity into to to, to someone else. If you decide not to uh, purchase, you just bought equity into that. Under A, if you decide not to exercise, you forfeit the money. So in a sense, you kind of forfeit your equity. All right. Under under land contract B, whereas you're gaining equity, you want to be able to hold a point of tax advantages. And so, therefore, you will insist that you be placed on title. Now, of course, the seller holds the control interest, but you're now gaining a percentage. You're buying a percentage into the property. Allowing you a certain percentage that you can have tax advantages right now. Got to talk to a tax accounting on this one and they can help set you up. Okay. help set you up real well and can walk you through and give you some good explanations on that. Okay. That's why I said there's two different types of land contracts. That's why you got to go to a library, man. The greatest information center in the world. and And you'll find these things out. You know, you got to understand certain things on the internet is good and true and wonderful. A lot of it is misleading, and so, at the same time, you gotta do your own research so you can get the facts. Nothing but the facts. Remember that. So, so, but these are these are the two differences. I'm telling this from a uh, mortgage broker point. I'm also telling this from a uh, from a creative financing person uh, point. There are there are two different types of how you can negotiate land a land contract. Okay. With the A, if you opt out of the A uh you lose whatever down payment requirement and and yeah you can uh, also lose the money that you put in if it's so stipulated within the agreement between both parties maybe you may lose a percentage of that or maybe you may lose all of it under contract A in most cases um uh you ask this guy to take his property or don't put it on the market and so therefore you are obligated now they are calling it like a payment, you know, like uh the landlord is financing you. Well, yeah, because the landlord could, they can't add interest if that is agreed upon. Okay. Um, uh You're going to pay me interest. So it all depends on how that land contract can be structured. Do you understand where I'm going with this? Of how you can structure it the way it's going to best benefit you. You necessarily have to follow a standard procedure, I mean, a standard land contract. And even on a standard land, land contract, you know, um, uh, the, uh, some of these clauses are not in there. And so you can add clauses to them. You can take them and then revamp them and do them the way that you want. The seller is um, basically is acting like a finance because you can actually negotiate, whereas, the, let's okay, let's do it this way. The seller is selling the house for $120,000, okay? Uh, you have no money to put down, so the land contract that you worked out with the seller basically is going to be utilized to cover a down payment on there. At the end of the term, you will go and seek financing to cover the balance. That's usually how land contracts operate. But there are other factors that you can get a negotiable factor within a land contract. You know for a fact that with your income, that you're not going to qualify for a $120,000 loan. You're only going to qualify for an $80,000 loan. Okay? As long as everything stays at its pace, that's what you're going to qualify for. So you're going to be short, but this is the house that you want, you love. Man, this neighborhood I want to be in, Wow but you're going to be short by $40,000. So you can then go to the seller and get the seller to agree to do a land contract in terms, it's almost like a second lien, it's almost like a carryback to a certain extent, but it's placed on the land contract. And it's, and in that period of time, for what you can afford to make the payments on, which, which would be more than $300, uh, uh, going to that, by the way, uh, you're able to work that deal out. That at the end of the term of that land contract, and that's why sometimes it can go to five years. Um, you have been to pay that forty thousand up, but you also gain that forty thousand of equity into that property, securing you on title to protect what? Your interests. You better believe me when I'm telling you this. Don't fall for the yokey dope and don't be on title, all right? Okay? Before you do any land contract, whether it's A or B, before you, and, and not and you don't have to do it when you're doing a lease agreement. I recommend you do it even on, even on a lease uh, owner agreement. Have title pull. You better. Why? Well, because you want to know that the person that you're signing the land contract to is the sole owner of the property and don't share ownership of that property with anybody else. That's number one. Number two, you want to make sure that a clause is placed within that land contract that if something were to happen to such said owner that it does not nullify the sale that the, that the executor of the estate must complete the transaction of the sale. Got me on that? Okay, that's to protect your interest. Three, when you're doing land contract B, you're building equity into it. So now you have a percentage of ownership of that property. So, so even if the executor says, hey, look, I don't want to continue this process with you. I just want to sell the property right now, right now, right now and get out. With you, I got to go for another two years. But if you have a contract agreement set forth by the sole owner and the sole owner pass away, under that contract agreement form and the clauses that you have the protection on, they can still be obligated to complete that transaction. Okay? You need to talk to an attorney when you are facing this type of clause, okay? You need to talk to an attorney a real estate attorney. When you want to implement these type of clauses in the land contract. It's to protect your interest. Nobody knows when when the great I am is going to call us. So you want to keep your interest protected. Even have a clause in there in case you pass away. Okay. You see, he don't know that you have $100,000 insurance on you and and that the wife is going to have some bucks. So you want to protect this process because you ban house for yourself as well as your spouse. So if something were to happen to you, this this process continues because she's not because she's listed on the contract too. So if one spouse fall. Then it doesn't nullify the contract. The contract is not in a default. The contract continues to move on, and you got to put that kind of clause in there to protect your interests. And the internet is not going to tell you that, <laughs> but a mortgage broker with experience is going to be able to tell you that. Okay, or 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 an investor, or or even a real estate attorney. Okay. So you have to protect your interest in this process. Have a title pool so you know who, who who holds the invested interest of the property, if there's any lien on the property, how much the lien is, got it? And you, and also you need to know how much equity that this guy got too, okay? All right, there you go. Helps with the negotiation aspect. Okay. You ain't got to tell him, hey Mr. Sell, I got to go pull a title on you, don't do that, okay? Remember you're an educated consumer, the best customer. So now when you enter into the land contract, you have the right parties or party that's on the land contract. Okay? And you put in these clauses that's going to help you along the way. That's your protection. Okay? Gotta move on. What is the difference between the land contract and a rent to own? All right. A land. Contract is that the seller maintains control of and is responsible for the property in a lease to own deal. Okay, the seller is responsible for the maintenance and the lease to own, the repairs, paying the property taxes. some cases the water bill (laughs) and the insurance that's on the property the same way that a landlord has. Okay, A lease to own or a land contract. A rent to own agreement which is the same as a lease to own agreement. It's the same. Which are similar but with Stop. A lease to own and a rent to own is the same in comparison to the land contract, which are similar, both with some important differences. Both cases, the landlords are the type of... In both cases, the landlord is doing a type of seller financing. You know, and that's true. It is. Because anytime I'm going to um... Whether you give me money toward the down payment at the end of the term, this is why you find them 12 months, 24 months, because uh, maybe $5,000 is what uh, the seller, I mean the buyer wants to put down. But he, but he don't have it. But he gonna live in a property, kinda give like a uh, mm, uh, two for one. You gonna live in a property, and then you are gonna work toward the down payment. Then at the end of the term, you go and exercise your right to um, get a loan and bring it in in that period of time. Make sure that you have a clause in there that will give you additional time for for if you need it for whatever reason. Okay, uh, your identity could have got stolen in in that process. So, so now you're in the process of, of uh, trying to clean up some things. That's going to cause you a a holdback. It's going to set you back maybe three, four, six months. Okay, so you want to be able to have a clause in there that states that that such seller agrees to give you uh, twelve months, six months, nine months of extension when when requested by buyer okay you may want to sweeten that pie a little bit too all right First try it if the sells. It, oh, well, I don't know about that. I, you know, God, Jesus Christ. I mean, I, I, I gave you thirty-six months, and holy Toledo, you, you know, now you before we even sign this deal, you want to? It's almost like you're looking not to be able to meet that time frame. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying here. Anything can happen in that process time. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do that. Says the seller. You know, I'm just not comfortable in. And doing a contract and saying that I'm gonna give you some some different time. Well, since we don't have a crystal ball, we don't know what's gonna happen in in the future. Anything could transpire in the future. I don't know what's gonna happen. Okay. I could get injured and 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 it may take me and may take six months out of my time to rebuild myself back up again. Okay. But here's what I'm willing to do. Any extension time that is required, I, I would agree to pay an additional $200 covering that time frame in which that amount does not have to be applied to an equity buildup. This mm, is what I'm saying here. Okay? Listen to what I'm saying. So, what you're telling them is that I'm going to give you $200 extra or $300 extra. Okay? or 500 extra dollars, whatever it is, free, and you give me back nothing but the time, wow. What person is gonna offer that and be playing games and gonna renege at the end? It's just not gonna happen. You got money up as a down, and you don't pay money over a three-year period of time, or you're about to do this, but you wanna put this clause in there just in case. Okay? Do you, do you see what I'm talking about here? All right. No internet is going to tell you that. Okay? It could be an addendum to the contract or a clause within the contract. All right? That gives you your protection in that process. All right? This is uh, going back to. This is a seller financing. This is good. Because in today's time, as I mentioned earlier, trying to obtain a loan for a lot of us, we're getting a lot of turndowns from some big major banks and some smaller banks that seem like they don't want to give us money or even from the subsidiary companies that they own, uh, which are the finance companies. The mortgage companies that are owned by some banks, they're, they you know, we, we have a more difficult time or, or they're giving us less LTV loan to value. Okay. Maybe let's put down even more money. They want a larger commitment from us. We're unable to, to give a large commitment in a lump sum. This is why a lease to own and a land contract can help make up for that. So now, when you go back to them, you already got forty thousand invested into the property already, and and now and now you to get a loan for the eighty thousand. Your chances of getting it is a lot better than than what it was at first, and providing that you haven't messed up the credit rating along the way, that everything else stays where it's at. And and remember this. Remember this. They're not going to tell you this on the internet. Remember this. You you must stay in a. In a debt ratio factor of 2436. That means that all of your debt is at 24% has been spent, 24% of your income has been spent to pay your debt. To acquire this new debt will not supersede 36% of your total income. Okay? So always keep that in mind. 24 over 36, and that enables you to be able to exercise the land contract at its final stage, okay? Okay, all right? In both a rent to own or a land contract, the buyer makes regular monthly payments to the seller rather than to a bank, because you're paying the seller, okay? Because uh, no financial institution uh, you're unable to to uh, get that after a period of this specified time in a lease or, in a lease sale contract or uh, that the terms are usually two to three to five years and I mean if if there's an extension it's highly unlikely uh, same thing with a land contract as I mentioned earlier the buyer's pays off the balance. Of the sale price by taking out a regular mortgage uh, on the property to, to pay out the balance. Okay. In a lease sale contract agreement, the deal is structured so that the buyer has the option of buying the property at a predetermined pr- at a predetermined price at the end of the contract period. Okay? on a land contract, it works the same. The buyer purchased the property with a uh, some people call it a balloon payment due to the seller at the end of a contract. That's really interesting because you got to understand what balloon payments are, okay? And, and this is really not a balloon payment. It, uh, it, it may be it may be walking on the line of one. but but it should not be recognized nor called a balloon payment, because it's not. Unless you specify and negotiate a balloon payment within the land contract, that it ends at the end of the term, okay? Or that it will continue even after the expiration of the land contract, but you agree to bring forth $80,000 to the table, holding a $20,000 balance, and that balance will be converted over into a balloon payment at the closing table, which now the seller will indeed uh, uh, become your uh, banker and, and uh, would carry back this loan under those terms. Now, you see how the land contract took its took his hold, gave the 20,000, had a, had a $20,000 left, it ended on that period of time, ending the land contract, but then at the closing table, in agreement that you would bring the eighty thousand to cover the balance of the contract, now the seller would agree to do a seller carry back of twenty thousand and that could be in form of a balloon payment. So I can see that balloon payment coming in there. And I can see why some of my uh, listeners and I can see why uh, uh, some of the people that that was emailing me saying I'm a little confused here by balloon payment because I listened to one of your your shows a while back. I, I think it was in 2016, and you said nothing about a balloon payment. Well, this is how balloon payments can come about if you want to call it that. It don't necessarily have to be a balloon payment. It could just be a second lien, but it can, but it will not be whole within the land contract. The land contract will play up to its its potential period of point. It would come to an end, and then in that, under that agreement, in that clause of the land contract of that agreement, that you agree to uh, to exercise by bringing the eighty thousand and bringing the proof of an approval to the seller, so the seller can have all of this. Then at the closing table, the seller would agree to do the carryback. And keep in mind that must be approved by your lender that's going to loan you the eighty thousand dollars that you can have a second lien, guys they're going to make sure that they're in first position and the seller carry back can be in a second position. Okay? Now, can I do a deal? Let's say this. Okay, this is real interesting. Let's just say that the bank says no. It's going to send your debt ratio a little bit over what we care for it to be. So at the end of the land contract term you can you cannot afford to up the land contract to cover this okay but you and the seller came up with an agreement okay so the seller agrees that that twenty thousand dollars is is uh he's going to take it off the table and and take it back in a personal carry back with you okay now, now, seller, got now, now, you got to be careful now because keep in mind at the at the closing table, the lender gets a copy of everything, and the, and the lender only wants itself to be on title and nothing else. So, what else do you have to hold as collateral for the seller? Well, the bank of mom and dad said, "Hey, look, you know, we'll we'll take out a second lien." Let the seller take out a second lien on our property for the, for the 20000 But you're going to make the payment. Follow me? Are you with me? Or am I by myself? I heard a wise man say. See how that can work out for you? Creative Financing. But you don't want to do something that's going to put you in a in a strain or a rut. I'm just saying because you know banks can be funny. Well, we don't think that you can afford that. Definitely, we don't want you to have that. But in actuality, you can afford it. It's not going to offset you, but they want you to have plenty of room to do some things here, okay? So you can't exercise that without putting your own self in a strain. Okay, you may own another property somewhere. And uh you may have an interest in an investment property. You you may have bought a um a vacation property in the mountains that you outright own. This cabinet that's worth about thirty-five, forty grand, paid for. Hey, Mister Seller, I got, I got this cabinet up here in Wisconsin. Um, it's worth. This is the appraisal on it. I had it appraised uh, less than two months ago. Would you agree to take the twenty thousand at the end of the land contract that's left over, and we'll put that on that property? We can easily do a quick claim for, for for that amount, putting you on title. You agree to sign off once the 20,000 is paid for. See where I'm going with this? So see how you can still work the land contract into another contract and, and can still provide the 80,000 up front. It's a contract. It's a contract. Everything is negotiable. Don't ever get caught up in a traditional setting where you run into this traditional brick wall and think that all the other things that you heard about um, negotiable financing or what (laughs) what you heard about that is just what it is. No, it's not. It's actually true. If you have a willing seller that's willing to work with you and willing to sell, okay? You can do that. Not all sellers is going to agree, okay? Not all sellers are going to agree but a lot of them will, you know what you have before you even do the land contract. You know where you're gonna be at before the land contract even expires. You know whether you're gonna be able to to, to pay that $40,000 with what you're given, and so does he. So you've already predetermined and pre-made that agreement. You've already provided the information on the house, on the cabinet that's in Wisconsin. You've already got that agreement going. He's going to have his attorney draw up whatever the necessary forms are, okay, the uh, quick claim to put him on the property there, and the agreement that, that once you pay off, <clears throat> okay, they will release that. It doesn't necessarily have to be a quick claim. It could be a loan agreement that will bond him to the property, that if you default, he can take over the whole property. You Are you following me on this? His attorney can do that. Your attorney can do that. Creative financing without attorney, then you can work with a quick claim and, and uh, use that as an aspect. But most of the time, at- attorneys may do both. They may do a loan agreement on that. Okay? You assign a promissory note with him on that, by the way. Okay? But you can still get the house in that process. There's some creative financing here, that's all. All right, gotta move on. So. So basically any money paid up front are figured into the purchase price to help the buyer establish the equity in the property under the land contract and also under the lease to own agreement. As I mentioned earlier, there are some clauses in the land contract that can include the buyer to be responsible for, if agreed on, by both, the taxes, the insurance, the mortgage, and the interest. And that's usually resulting to the land contract B, in which you're going to be on title. Because you're gaining equity into the property. The seller can protect himself by simply stating that you have no right to sell off your percentage of equity to any outsider. You have to, if you want out, you have to sell it back to me. Okay. The seller can put those, those type of stipulations in there. Or the seller can say, fine, whatever. Because the seller has the control interest. So whether you sell off or not, the seller can still sell the property. It just, it just the other person that, that bought your percentage of equity into the property just will get paid at the end of the closing. They, they cannot interfere nor block that because the seller is not going to give up his or hers control interest. So, so, so in some land contract, and I have seen that, uh, where the buyer changes his mind, took the penalty loss, lost the upfront money. Um so what he had into the equity aspect of it, and the equity aspect of it he sold off to a friend and out a friend hold the ownership or another investor and not an investor holds the ownership of that because because he needs that money to move on on the, on another deal and they did on another deal. You got people that do buy that do engage in land contract as an investment aspect, okay? So so they may need some money right away, so they sell off to another investor. So they want to make sure that they have those kind of clauses in the land contract allowing them to, to uh, be able to do that. Okay? However, the buyer does get to deduct from his or her taxes what well, the seller cannot if that is the case, if that is agreed upon, if that's there. Most cases of the of the land contract, um, even on land contract B, and I've seen it go both ways, where the you're buying into this, you're paying this, but you can't write off anything. The seller still holds the right to write off here again because why? Because the seller still has the control interest. Whoever has the control interest can write off these things. Now, again, you can talk to an accountant and say, "Well, then you have 25%, so therefore you you, you can write off 25% of that of of what you're paying into, okay? Uh, and that is stipulated in the land contract if you are paying the taxes are not in there. And if that is so stipulated within that land contract, then talk to your accounting. You Got to make sure w- with an accounting, I'm not a certified accounting. So I don't want to be telling you something that, oh, yes, you can do this. Ask your accounting. Talk to a certified accountant. Okay. Before you finalize that portion of agreement. That is, uh, is this a standard aspect of a land contract? And uh, it can be, it's not necessarily has to be. But it can be. Okay. All right. Um, I want to go into. Under the land contract. And then I'm going to go into the house doctor. A land contract. What is a purchase default. On a land contract. What is a purchase default on a land contract. A purchase default is what ensures that the buyer will not violate the term of the contract. Generally purchasing generally a purchase default can include if the if the purchaser is late in making a payment, the purchaser has a notice period to redeem the default. During this period, he or she will be subject to late fees and the amount of which was agreed in the contract. See, it's the same way as in a loan agreement and in the promissory now, okay? Because uh, anything can happen. I mean, we'll assume that you're going to make your payments on time, but what happened if you don't? What happened if you don't? Okay, the seller don't have time to be playing games with you. So, these these type of uh, clauses is standard in a land contract and and indeed will, will, will be spelled out clearly in a land contract of the amount that, that'll be paid. Can a land... Contract contain interest. Well, it will if if we do uh, land contract B. Whereas you're not just putting money down toward the down payment, but you also are putting money down, uh, uh, eating up a hunk of the equity because you know you're only going to qualify for eighty thousand and sell the house for one hundred and forty. Okay, so therefore, or, or for one hundred and uh, whatever you can afford, it was at uh, dollars and so, therefore, he may, the seller meaning, may attach some interest in that process. Okay, so that's where your interest can come in on that end. Will it come in on you just um, doing a land contract and at the end of the term, you have the 3000 or the 5000 to put down? I would not negotiate interest on that. Why should you? It's tax-free money for him. You don't have to pay taxes on it. That That's the advantage aspect. So why would you want to award him some additional interest? I wouldn't agree with that. I wouldn't. It's up to you. You can if you like, but you no, know, that's up to you. So, you, so you're gonna find these clauses in the contract in case you default, okay? The purchaser failed to redeem the default, okay? So the seller has the right to reinstate this agreement if the purchaser can cure the default. That's a clause point. The, the seller has the right, not you. You defaulted on this contract agreement. He doesn't have to reinstate this. But in the, but in the relationship that you guys have built over that time frame, the seller you know wants to sell a property, so seller has the right to to reinstate. The contract after you have paid the cure amount that you that you had defaulted on. Insurance in most cases the seller will be responsible for insurance on all of his or her personal items that the purchaser will be responsible for insurance for his or her own personal items. Okay, land contract. Often described by other terminology listed below, is a contract between what's a land contract? It is a contract between the buyer and the seller of real property in which the seller provides the buyer financing in the purchase and the buyer repays. the the result of the loan in installment over that period of time agreed upon in the land contract. A land contract is a form of a seller financing. It is similar to a mortgage, but rather than borrowing money from a lender or a bank, the buyer borrowed the money. Well, didn't borrow any money, but set an agreement to pay as if he did to the seller until the payment is done in that period specified in the land contract, okay? Then he execute the land contract and close the deal at the closing table by by obtaining financing from a financial institution and bring forth the balance of the money that is due, okay? That's your land contract. That's a great tool to utilize. Um, in some cases, when you find that maybe there is a repair that needs to be done and you're on a land contract and you're uncomfortable with doing that repair because it's going to drain some of your money. And so you don't want that. But you still want the house. I'm, I'm, I'm caught in a, in, in a uh, paradox here. I'm in a 2020 here. What do I do? What can I do? How how can I make this happen? The seller, I mean, the seller going to have to pay for this. I'm not going to pay for this, okay? There's nothing in the clause in the land contract that I signed that says that I would be responsible to pay for this. He's responsible for all, re- for all repairs, so stipulated in our land contract agreement. Well, then what you can do is, hey, Mr. Seller, don't worry, okay? I still I still want the house... You fix the repairs on that, okay? We'll just switch this land contract over to a lease agreement. Same functional point. I will exercise my right at the end, okay? Now keep in mind that that's an option, but you just bought equity into the property, so when you, so when you switch over to the lease agreement, you still you still providing the money down that needed to, uh, help you close the deal after you bring in the rest of the money from a financial institution, but you stop gaining equity into the property because you switch from the land contract over to the lease agreement if it's the land contract B. Okay. Land contract A is very similar to the lease agreement. Okay. You're making payments, but you're not gaining any equity into, into the property. Okay. You're just making payments, uh, uh, and the, and the, and the difference is, is going to cover the required down. Or is going to cover fifteen uh, percent what you is is missing. Okay, all right, all right. Let me say it this way: You go out to qualify for a loan. The lender says that uh, your LTV will be ninety uh, percent. Let's keep it simple. The the uh seller is gonna sell a house for a for hundred thousand dollars. You you're only gonna qualify for ninety percent. So 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 is only gonna loan you ninety thousand dollars. That's it. You need ten thousand plus closing costs. Ess- estimate closing costs will probably cause you between um